Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I'm Andy Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Welcome along to another Life Logistics episode. We haven't done one of these for a few weeks. We got distracted by History Box, which was meant to be a one-off episode. It turned into three parts. But hey, we're not in any rush. We're not going anywhere, are we, any of us? So no. don't worry about it. But uh, the Logistics is back. We've got a fairly bulging mailbag, I think. There's quite a few here. There's one that stood out. Uh, we're not going to name the uh, sender of this one. Anonymity is allowed, if you ever want that, when you send in your problems. Did this person request anonymity? Uh, he said, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, but I would have re- rendered him anonymous anyway because of the content. I don't think you mm. should be publicly shamed for what he wrote. But anyway, he said, um, I mean, it didn't start well. It says, sorry, Andy, but this message is exclusively Sam-related, which in itself feels like a power play, a divide-and-conquer kind of thing. So I'm not into that at all. It'd be really awful if you investigated this email address and went quite far into it and then discovered, in fact, it was a burner that I'd set up. (laughs) (laughs) As a power play. And I'd set up false accounts and started emailing Top Flight Times. She said, sorry, but this is only for Sam. It's only his opinion that I'm interested in. Yours, John Email, Scotland. (laughs) Stan Mulaney. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, Scotland what's the opposite of England Scotland yeah. <laughs> I'll say I'm from Scotland he'll never figure it out uh, that'll throw him off the scent <laughs> <laughs> well it can't be Sam Sam definitely lives in England <laughs> <laughs> I had my suspicions till it said that he's from Scotland um, it's exclusively Sam related I mean look you know, you, you, we we come as a pair. Even yeah, if we not don't the have any expertise work. on a particular mm. subject, we will both uh, respond. But it says, uh, Sam, I don't know if this is overstepping the mark or if you can even help at all, but here it goes. And as soon says, as I read that, if from anyone, I just straight away think this is definitely overstepping the mark. You are overstepping the mark. You are about yeah. to overstep the mark, yeah. yeah. It's like, I can't remember who it was. There's some celebrity who I read a thing where they said that... Um, you know, when they're in a restaurant and people come up and want autographs or selfies and that, mm. and there's a celeb in a restaurant. Mm. And he said, they always say, um, I'm sorry to bother you. So I say, well, why are you doing it then? 
Oh. I like that. Anyway, uh, I read everything once. It might have been in one of those newsletters that used to go around, like uh, Pop Bitch. It might still go around for all I know, but I think it was on that or one mm. similar. And someone, um, someone came up to that was it. Someone said a massive Chelsea fan, season ticket holder for however many years, right? And they were in a TFI Friday in Central <laughs> London. Yeah. No, TGI Friday, that's it. Yeah. They're in a TGI Friday on, in central London and fucking the whole Chelsea squad, this is obviously pre-Abramovich, before, when they could only afford to go out for squad bonding sessions at a TGI Friday, yeah. right, when Ken Bates was still in charge. <laughs> right, I've lined up a lunch for you all at TGI Friday. I've got, got some vouchers. Some, some lunch of vouchers, yeah. <laughs> I've got you some vouchers, it's a... Uh, you can have, you can have, you can't have the full menu. You can't order a la carte, but they have a good specials menu. <laughs> I'm negotiating a deal with the management there. You have to be there for twelve forty five, and you've got to be out <laughs> by two p.m. <laughs> now you can have the buffalo wings. You can have a chicken, but it all has to be chicken, no beef, because the beef apparently the margin they make on any beef product is much smaller. <laughs> anyway. They're, like apparently he goes so I, I saw them and in amongst them all was their star player of the time Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank <laughs> and he was my favourite player and mm. I really was desperate for an autograph so I went over and leant into him and just went Jimmy hi I and before I got any further he just went without looking up from his food just went fuck off <laughs> 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 oh, yes, but that's the Dutch for you. They're yeah. they're renowned to be a very blunt people, aren't they? The Dutch. Uh, yeah, mm. I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, <laughs> so he says, um, I don't know if this is overstepping the mark or if you can help. Here he goes. My partner and I have booked up to spend New Year in New York, and my plan is to uh, propose to her earlier this year so we could potentially get married whilst in New York. Problem is. I don't know if you have to be in the USA for so long before getting married, etc. And don't know where or who to ask for guidance. So I was wondering if your your sister in NYC could offer any info. Fucking hell. There we go. Does your sister, Sam, have knowledge of the NYC state marital laws? If so. Well, I would imagine so. I mean, she does live there. So why wouldn't she? I mean, you know, obviously I live in England. So if yeah. anyone from abroad asked me the marital laws and your status as a tourist in the eyes of the marital courts here, yeah. I would yeah. have a detailed knowledge. And if someone asked me via a third party or fourth, mm. fifth party, I'd be only too happy to help. Mm. I, I could give this guy my sister's... I mean, she just had a kid, right? So she's quite busy, but... She'd probably, I think she'd be probably fine. happy for a distraction. Let's just say that. She would, yeah. Because it's I very intense. I think it's best if I contact him directly. Now, why is he anonymous? Why does he want to be anonymous? Sometimes I worry about the reasons why people want to be anonymous. Yeah. Because it's not like you said, Dear Sam and Andy, uh, this is sort of for life logistics, but I have carried out a killing spree mm. um, over the last four years in my area. I live in Shropshire. Oh, that's um, good. That's England, because we know about English laws. Yeah. I have evaded the police because I this have... Far. 
burnt all of the evidence yeah. and and therefore eradicated all um, DNA trace evidence. Uh, however, I feel that the net is beginning to tighten. Mm. What do you suggest I do? P.S. I would prefer it if you didn't mention my name. This is a burner email. I think, okay, fine. A burner email. I understand email. that. I mean, I, 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 would still, I would still report them because you yeah. and I, and we've been very clear on this, do not agree with murder in any circumstances. No. No. But but I could understand why he wanted anonymity, right? But this guy, well, anyway, look, I'm probably focusing on the wrong thing here. <laughs> Why don't you have a run at this? He has told you he he has told you to stay out of this effectively, which is well, fucking yeah. rude. Yeah, stay out of this, Andy. Yeah. This it's is between me and Sam and Sam's sister. How does he know that I don't have any contacts in New York? I know two people who live in New York. I just haven't mentioned them on this podcast. So <laughs> there you go. You're not going around showing off about all your New York contacts yeah, like I exactly. do. Exactly. I was waiting for an appropriate time to drop them in, but. Yeah. You know, don't ask me anything. I don't fuck well, up. They see you in Sunday and go, look, here comes fucking Dawson. Thinks he's better than us with his New what York contacts. Well, <laughs> Always it's... going around bragging about the people he knows in New York. Or as this, this correspondent has probably thought, well, I'll uh, I'll get in touch with Sam because he lives in London and he, he knows things. The other one, he's in Sunderland. Nothing happens up there. He ain't got any mates in New York. He oh, wouldn't well. have even heard of New York. Yeah. Well, there is it, a New yeah. York near us. There's a New York near Tynemouth. On the coast, well, there's a place the called New York. He, might have, he, he would have thought that you would have assumed he was talking about New York yeah, Tynemouth. So that's the only one I've heard of. So mm. um, so you, you're you not off, able to offer any specific well, guidance, Sam? Why? I mean, what do you, did you see my reply to him? Because I actually replied to this because I was so astounded I'll read by it out. the strangeness. I'll read it out verbatim. I'll read it out verbatim. Yeah, okay. It's very short. A uh, six-word reply, Sam, and you just put, mate, why don't you Google it? Which I think is fine. <laughs> I, think, I think it covers everything. I think that about a lot of emails or tweets that I oh, get yeah, or, definitely. you know, we get, I always think, have you heard of fucking Google? Yeah. Like, yeah. why are you asking a human who you've never met and who, let's be honest, right, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, why on earth you would trust my point of view or insight mm. on well, on most things is beyond yeah. me. You know, it's not like I'm I'm a lawyer. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'll ask Sam. He knows someone who lives in New York. She'll probably know. In the time it took you to fucking dream that up, write an email begging for anonymity and fuck off Andy in the process, you could have Googled it and got an immediate details and reliable fucking answer to your question, right? Think on, lads. Google's, I don't know if you've heard of Google, but it's a really effective sort of website. I mean, other search engines are available as well, you know. Yeah, I mean, you can do Ask Jeeves if you want. Yeah. Even he'd be better than me. I might go back to Ask Jeeves, actually. It feels more authentic. Maybe me and you should just skip a lot of this shit and start our own search engine in rival to Google. Yeah, yeah. Top Flight Time Machine. I think Mm. it's pretty easy. We'd probably need to hire a couple of kids to sort of just, like, type in, like, loads of shit. To do the grunt work. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd just tell them... 
Okay, we'll do We're that. going to give you a list of questions and a list of answers to those questions. And you must type the code into the internet so people can find them automatically without having to contact us directly. <laughs> so there we go. We um no, we have no uh, I will not be asking my sister, I will not be putting you in touch with my sister. I think you need to really look at the way in which you're living your life. Because to be honest, it's sort of like, what next? Dear Sam, this one's for you, not Andy. I recently did a shit out of my ass, and I don't know how to get the remaining residue of shit off of my my inner ass cheeks. I once heard a story. <laughs> you yeah. Can you put me in touch with Matthew Judkins, your mate from school who shut out of a tree? Because I am looking for advice on how to wipe my own ass. So I thought I'd ask a podcaster. Uh, I, P.S. I am 42 years old and a father of three. <laughs> Fucking hell, Can mate. you put me in touch with your mother's husband, who I believe is a doctor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I know he is not a proctologist, but uh, <laughs> apparently they all do at least a week of ass training in medical school. <laughs> So even the general doctors know a bit about it. And even if he's forgotten, he's probably got the book that they all look in. <laughs> yeah. Good for everything. Fucking so, hell. So, uh, yeah. That's he's, that one dealt Then he with. added it at the bottom, this is not content for TFTM. Oh, phew. we'll be the judge of that, my friend. Um, so Anything please, you send to us is content for yeah. TFTM. So please don't mention it. Or if you do, don't name drop me so we haven't. And also feel free to assume I'm a cheeky twat and just ignore this. It's just so weird. Coming and to say that it's not for the podcast, then what? Then you'd think that... I mean, you wouldn't go up to a stranger on the street and say, have you got any relatives in New York? Great, put me in touch with them. I've got... Because I've got a couple of questions that I need answering really about legal matters it. out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's that dealt with. I'm glad that we put okay, that to bed. Uh, got a couple of good ones, actually. Um... Well, one's a bit dark, but we'll get onto it if we still need to towards the end. All right, lads, we've lived in our current house for the last six years. It's in a lovely area, nice and quiet. Neighbours are all friendly and we get on well with everyone. That does sound nice. But I've never felt truly at home in it, whereas my good wife and daughter are settled. I float the idea of moving and it's pretty much been shot down. Well... Of course it fucking has. Our daughter will be heading to university soon. Shall I suggest it again in about 18 months? Again, this a little bit falls into the category of... I mean, you know, you've got a daughter who's practically university age, so you're obviously an adult and not a baby. Yeah. Um, so you can probably make your mind up yourself. And I would say, based on the evidence that you have delivered, Darren, because that is your name and you have not requested anonymity. If I was you, I would have done. This. Right. Uh, we've lived in our current house the last six years. It's in a lovely area, nice and quiet. Neighbours are all friendly. But I want to... Uh, my, my daughter well, and my this, wife fucking love it. But I don't. I want to fucking move. This, this has got nothing to do with moving house. This is an existential dilemma or crisis that Darren's having. Mm. It's, it's just this one sentence screams out at me. I've never felt truly at home in it. What? Mm, that, well, I think at a time like this, you should think about what Prince said to Matt Damon that time. Yeah? Do you 
you remember yeah. what he said? Yeah. He said, he said I live I mean, inside bro, my own heart, didn't he? Matt Damon. Matt Damon, yeah. And we all live in our own hearts, yeah, or at least we, we should to. do. I've got a mate, one of my best mates, and he has been on the move since we were teenagers. Right. He is, he's never stayed in one place, mm. right? Um, and he's got a really nice life in most ways these days. He's got a lovely wife and lovely kids and all the rest of it, but he's always moving. Mm. And I don't know if I've ever said this to him or not, and I'm banking on him not listening to the podcast, but I don't I think any of my mates, especially my old mates, would listen to it, obviously. <laughs> uh, and But it's like, I've, I've, I wonder... Why do you, why, I mean, not moving like within yeah. one city. I mean, moving radically to other countries. Yeah. Like all over the place I'm, and constantly think, and he'll only have been in somewhere for five minutes before he's already saying he's got a right move addiction, you know, and he'll be like, oh, I've been looking, I might move here, I might move there, you know. Why do they In the end, you just got to settle. Just, yeah. I know, it's, it's expensive. It's, I mean, it's one of the most stressful things you can do moving. Yeah. I mean, as you know, I often dream about moving out of London, but it's not something that I have any real intention of doing until the kids are older. Yeah. And even then, in the meantime, the amount of money you spend on a move, I could spend a fraction of that on just making the house I live in nicer, well, improving I mean, your rig. I mean, every time you buy a house, the stamp duty to pay if it's over 250 grand. So, I mean, that's always... Mm. And, and, unless and, you do and it, expense. Unless you do it before... Unless you do it in the next month. And you yeah. get your uh, stamp before, duty holiday. Before March the 31st. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, but, mm. yeah, what's he running from, Sam? What is your pal running from? He's obviously running from something. From himself? Is that what it is? I don't think... Uh, it's sort of running, but what I really think is that people think that if they don't quite feel content, even though a lot of the things in their life indicate that they should feel content, yeah. right? Um, then... The problem is, is that they think, oh, God, they think there's a silver bullet out there. Do you know what the I mean? They think, all I need to do, the grass is always all they think is, I just need to do what I feel 80% okay most of the time, but there's mm. that 20% nagging, and I'm not quite sure what it is, but I think that all it will take is one big move, one big thing, and it might be moving house, mm. it might be changing, some people change careers all the time. Some people, it's why I think they go through lots and lots of relationships, Right, it, and they never settle with one person because they always think before. all it needs is one major thing. But you need to work at everything. It's what I've term. said before: people, people are striving for this mythical thing called happiness. Yeah. When in fact, all you need to try and attain is just contentment. If yeah. You're just feeling all right with how everything is. You don't have to feel fucking elated all the time or deliriously joyful. You just need you, to feel but, as if. I yeah, mean, it's look, not to look, say that you look, can't from time to time. Yeah, you can. But you, you should have fleeting all, moments of that. I think you should, that, you know, understand it's that. Ridiculous. Joy. It's People ridiculous also, to think I that mean, can be the status quo. You've got to just kind of just find yourself a scenario where you think, yeah, this is all right. This is all right. This there's no real bad things about this. There's probably one or two negative things I'd like to change, but you know, you've got to accept what you can't. But life's change. a working progress, isn't yeah. it? That's the thing. You d what never happens is it's not like a, the thing is a lot of this is because everything we're surrounded by culturally not least things like advertising and consumerism but also just movies TV shows um, even some books like they 
they tell stories like there's a neat... Everything has to be wrapped up in a neat narrative, right? Yeah. Beginning, middle, end. And you think there is an end and that the ending can either be a sad ending or a happy ending and that it's binary, right? <laughs> and then once you get once you get to that ending, yeah. that's it. That's you sorted for the rest of the time. So you see a film, right? I mean, pick anything, like... You see a film where, in the end, they get fucking married, right? So... Mm. Four or weddings murdered. and a funeral. Yeah, but exactly. Well, you look at Goodfellas, right? And at the end, Ray Liotta is living in suburbia, complaining that his life is less exciting than it was when he was a full-time murderer for the mob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Now I just have to be... I mean, I've got to say, by the way, Goodfellas, everyone everyone watches it, right? Normal people. Mm. And go, yeah, I feel really sorry for him at the end because he was having a good laugh in the mafia, but now like, he's just boring. <laughs> no, you dickheads. He is living the dream rig life at the end, right? You've yeah. got it all wrong. Fucking yeah. Martin Scorsese is a, is a silly adolescent, right, who despite the fact he's now literally an old man, is still got a hard-on for fucking gangsters and the tough guys, right? It's, like, yeah. pathetic. It's all the Irishman, right? He barely has, like beyond two-dimensional, paper-thin female characters in any of his movies, right? Because mm. he is just a, a little man, right, mm. who looked up when he was growing up to the tough guys in his neighbourhood and wished he was one of them and has spent the rest of his fucking life making sort of homoerotic tributes to those men <laughs> that he wished he could have been friends with, right? That is what Martin Scorsese is. Yeah. And, and at the end of Goodfellas, right, you've seen this man live, let's be honest, an amoral and despicable Despicable lifestyle yes. as part of the mafia, right? Beating people, pe- beating people's brains out with handguns in their own driveway. Which, by the way, if you meet a real Alan Partridge, he'll always go, oh, "That's my favourite bit in the film." <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> okay, and then at the end, he's in witness protection, right? Yeah. And he's living in a nice green suburb, and you see him on an the doorstep, house. yeah, in an identical house. He comes out on the doorstep, he picks up his pint of milk yeah. and he's wearing his dressing gown. He gets his newspaper, right? Yeah. And he's going, oh, look at me now. This is well boring. I'm thinking, maybe when I was a, an adolescent, which is who that those sorts of films are aimed at, by the way. When I was an adolescent, I saw, I was like, fucking hell. Oh, the brilliant film. I feel well bad for him at the end that he's not a fucking <laughs> drug dealer and killer anymore. I've crushed his murdering spirit. Oh. Yeah, exactly. That's what the system does to you. They'll never do it to me when I grow up. Right. Now, then, like, 20 years later, when you're working in fucking... When you're a system analyst in some <laughs> faceless fucking new town, right, and you're driving a fucking Mondeo or whatever people drive these days, right, but you you say, i got... Uh, it's still my favourite film, good fellas. In fact, I just got it on Blu-ray. <laughs> Right, it's like, mate, it was all right to like it when you were a teenager. Look, Goodfellas is a good film for people getting It is getting my favourite film, film, you fucker. It is my favourite no, film. It, no, look, it's a fucking great film. And I have got it's the Blu-ray. And the but Godfather I'm, trilogy. And the Sopranos. Look, look, look. Look, all those films are, you know, of course, I'm not here saying all these gangster films are stupid, right? Um, but they kind of, no, what I'm saying is, it's not they're not enjoyable. They are enjoyable and they're very well made, right? But they are silly. And you have to, and it doesn't mean they're not great. All those films, uh, you know, Sopranos, Goodfellas, uh, The Godfather trilogy, well, apart from The Godfather 3, all great, yeah? I really like them, and I watch them on a regular basis, but I'm saying that when you're an adolescent, you think silly things like, yeah, Yeah. these guys are so cool, 
right? Yeah. When you're older, you like it on a different level. So you might think this is such a well put together film. The acting's fantastic. It's aesthetically brilliant. It's exciting at times. But you have to watch it more like you might watch a fucking Marvel superhero movie. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. it's just sort of daft. Yeah. And it's a parallel moral universe. Jalapeño. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Jalapeño. But the point is, at the end, you're like, that's the end of the story. Ray Liotta's character is now buttoned down in his rig life. Oh, no. Game over. Or you see four weddings and a funeral, right? And at the end, Hugh Grant gets off with Andy McDowell and that's it, happily ever after. Mm. But life is not binary. So you reach a point at which you think, this is a high point for me. But then life continues the next day and you have to continue working on it. There's no silver bullet where you've just achieved happiness, you've aimed for one thing, you've achieved that thing. Mm. But then the next day you still wake up. I mean, put it this way, right? Jeff Hurst scored a hat-trick in the World Cup final, right? If that was a movie, the movie would have ended then as he ran off celebrating the hat-trick. Freeze yeah? frame as he ran off at the end, yeah. Like in, like in Yesterday's Hero when he... Yeah. Well, I was doing a giveaway the, the ending, right? <laughs> but like... They, and they, you would have been left to believe, well, that's his life sorted for the end of time, mm. right? But the next day, Jeff Hurst had to get up and if met, and get out of bed, right? Mm. Read the papers, yeah, scored that trick, great. But end of the day, I was at fucking West Ham in a corporate box once for someone's stag. And Jeff Hurst came round doing the old uh, meet and greets. Yeah. yeah? Pressing the flesh. Hello, gents. He came in by surprise. It was amazing. In these corporate boxes, Upton Park, they doubled as hotel rooms that you could stay in for the night, which I'm so gutted I never did, right? It was like 100 quid. Uh, why I didn't do it like all the time when I fucking was earning a few quid because you, when I was drinking as well, you can get really pissed up and then just go to bed in the ground. That's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Fucking hell! I'll tell you. I'll tell These you what. Rooms- I'll tell you what. What I'll do is what I'll do is I'll just nip in and I'll surprise them. They'll love it. They will love it. <laughs> That's what he did. So we're all sitting there. It was um, a mate of mine called Dave. It was his stag, and we're all sitting there getting pissed and having our 
like, you know, Beef Wellington or whatever it was. Mm. And uh, the, the and then suddenly the door, no knock. Of course right. not. I'm Jeff fucking Hurst, you cunts. I'm a West Ham legend. I scored that chick in the World Cup final. Jeff Hurst knocks for no man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, certainly not here at Upton Park. Right. <laughs> Fucking door just swings open and it was a problem. Oi, oi. Oi, oi, dickheads! <laughs> it's me, Hursty. Right? Well, come here, And he goes, what's... And he literally was like this. What's all this then? Right? He was like that, right? And we were like, oh, what's going on here? We're having a stag. We're all West Ham fans and we're having a stag. You bunch Ooh. of reprobates. <laughs> Keep the noise down. Like, it, it was like that. And he goes, what, what are you doing after the game then? And we went, and someone like the best man went, we can go see some strippers. <laughs> <laughs> and I always remember Jim Hurst going, lovely. <laughs> and he went, and there's a famous, there's a famous like stripper pub in East London called Browns. Uh, and it's, Brown, it's a boozer. But it's, yeah, and it was like, I don't know if it's still going, but certainly like, it had been going for years and and it was one of those ones that blokes would go in the old days blokes would go there in their lunch break and a girl would just get up on the pool table well, do her thing I mean, and then a hat would go round you, yeah you see these in the Sweeney and Minder don't you yeah you know it was I mean? one of those joints yeah. and then I think by the 90s it might have gone a slightly more legit I don't know but yeah it was proper like it might go I mean, imagine that I might go and uh, might go and uh, I'll take my sandwiches that the wife made for me. Right, she makes me a lovely tuna salmon, lovely tin salmon sandwich every day, and I take she wraps box. them up in tin foil. And at lunchtime, I take myself, I take myself down to the pub, and I eat my salmon sandwich, and I have half a lager, and I look at a woman's breasts <laughs> and the fanny. On stage. And then I and then I just put a pound in a bucket and go back to work. <laughs> Fucking hell. In many ways, I live the lifestyle of a character in a Martin Scorsese film. <laughs> it, beats, it beats feet in the ducks, doesn't it? In the park. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, um, yeah, so I can't remember how we got onto that, but uh, uh, I was about- talking about... There, the life, life, life is just a journey, man, and, like, you don't just end and then, like, that's it. Yeah, Jeff Hurst. So what I'm saying is Jeff Hurst... He's not frozen in time forever having just scored that trick. The fact is, he had to come in and talk to a bunch of drunken morons, right, yes. about their fucking strip club plans mm. on their tawdry little stag that they were mm. going on, right, and make nice to us. And yeah, fair enough, he was good at it, and he is a hero and a legend. I'm not un- undermining him, but he was probably being paid a day rate by West Ham for doing <clears throat> yeah. that. Or Harry Redknapp, when you speak to Harry Redknapp and say to him, you know, when people used to always say about Aaron, oh, he's always on the make. He's always got his eye on like a, a on a pound note, right? Mm. As if that was a criticism. And he said to me, and he said it to other people, that I briefly ghost wrote a column for Aaron that many years ago. Right. And he said to, and he said to me once, um, oh, the thing is, he went and it, he went, I, he goes, I am not going to make any apologies about making as much money as I can legitimately from my own career, right? Which I think is a good attitude. It's actually a working class attitude because yeah, middle yeah, class people find it slightly crass to talk about money. Well, fucking good luck to you. 
Must be fucking now. nice. Yeah. I fucking... I, I, I'm not fucking... I'll go like, I fucking love a few quid. I fucking love a few quid, mate. Why would I? I've right? experienced life of having nout, and it yeah. was shit. And now that yeah. I've got a few quid, it's great. I don't know which I prefer. Yeah. So uh, you, you don't show off about it, but you certainly are happy when you go. Anyway, like I remember at my at my wedding, <laughs> saying to my Italian cousin, who because he's Italian, he's obviously more sophisticated than me, and a couple of other people were standing around. And as we were talking, I was very like euphoric and ecstatic, like you are. It was at the reception straight after the actual thing, and there's a waitress going around with a tray of glasses with bubbly in, right? Mm. And she hands it out. And uh, we all took a glass. I'm standing there with my Italian cousins and a couple of mates. And I and I, I took a sip. And they went, oh, thanks. Cheers. Whoa. They went, nice champagne. And I went, no, it's not champagne. And they said, what? I said, no, it's uh, Prosecco. And they said, oh, yes. And, and they thought I was about to say, because the sophisticated thing says, actually, a lot of Proseccos are just as I actually prefer Prosecco, which is a middle-class trope to say I actually prefer the taste of Prosecco and I just went not make, trying to make any point at all I just blurted it out because you know me I blurted it out I just went yeah no it's Prosecco it's cheaper much cheaper right <laughs> and they pissed themselves because they went anyone else at a wedding would have either lied and said it was champagne or if they admitted it was Prosecco would have tried to claim that it's because they prefer it and I went no no I mean fucking hell this old fucking palavas course costing a fortune I was shaving shaving prices wherever I could mate I wanted to serve fucking Tizer anyway <laughs> oh Tizer's uh, lovely yeah and so you know people just um was it? Yes, I mean, Jeff Hurst. Jeff Hurst. Oh, yeah, Harry Redknapp said, he said, look, put it this way. He goes, I was managing Bournemouth. He went in the cup on, like, a Wednesday night. It was pissing down. No, actually, he was man- assistant managing West Ham with Billy Bonds. He went, it was pissing down with rain. He goes, we were playing at Southend at Roots Hall, shit, shitty little ground. Apologies to any Southend fans what, listening. Right, he goes, and... Uh, he goes, I'm walking along the touchline. I really don't want to be there. I'm assistant manager. And I hear, H, H, H over here. And I turn around and I think, who's that? And there's this old man or like this poor poor fella in a flat cap and a sheepskin coat, no cover, soaked to the skin, mm. right? Eating fish and chips that are soaked with rain out the back. Mm. So I walk up to him to see who it is, right? Under his cap and his hood. And it's fucking Bobby Moore. Right, when Bobby up. Moore, who was my captain at West Ham, mm. he goes the best bloke I ever knew, the world England's World Cup winning captain. And I said, "What are you doing here, Bobby?" And he went, "Oh, I'm, here. I'm doing a bit of punditry for Capital Gold on the radio." Mm. He goes, "I thought to myself, this is like the early '90s or late '80s or whatever." He goes, "I thought to myself, he's probably being paid like in those days, 150 quid, mm. right?" He's England's World Cup winning captain and he's eating soggy fish and chips. He went, and I was embarrassed. He went, because I was not fit to fucking lace his boots. He went, he was my hero yeah. and my leader and, and the, like, you know, greatest English footballer of all time. He goes, he said, he goes, if you can, if you realise that a man who's achieved all of that can end up doing that for 150 <clears throat> yeah. quid, you know, for a few hours, like he would rather not be there, but you know, we've all got to earn a living, fair enough. He goes, Then you realize, well, I'm not going to fucking make apologies for making money legitimately within the rules in any way I can. That's what we're all doing, we're all trying to earn a living, yeah. 
Yeah. But then you can flip that over and ask the question, was Bobby Moore happy doing that? He might well have been. Well, yeah. Bobby Moore. True. Down to earth sort of fella. Might be quite happy eating his fish and chips at Southend and doing a bit of punty. Gets him out the house. That, he gets to true. watch the game I, that he loves. Football. He gets to yeah, watch I football think, match. I think, let's be honest, no one likes sitting in the rain. No one. Doesn't matter how down to earth you are. I would, whatever job it was, I would rather not do it in the rain. The only and bit I would rather not that, eat soggy fish and chips. The only negative, really, that I can see about that is that perhaps Bobby Miller hadn't rain. planned his dress properly for the weather. He hadn't looked ahead at what the weather was going to be like. And he well, in those days as well, anything. you didn't have all this Gore-Tex stuff. But nowadays, <clears throat> some, someone, um, you know, a regular listener and uh, noted football pundit and commentator Nigel Adderley yeah. uh, tweeted the other day, Saying that he was the person he was doing the co-commentary with, whose identity he protected, was wearing one of these heated gilets. Oh, yeah. Have you seen these? Apparently, mm. this is what all the football like reporters are wearing now, and it's, it's got like it's like a, an electric blanket electric that you blanket wear. You wear exactly, yeah. And yeah. you know what's really good about it? It's got it operates on a thermostat system. Fucking hell. So, so you're always at optimum temperature. Yeah. Because it, it's not like one of those ones where you know sometimes you can get too hot on it's a cold winter's on, day. And you've got to turn it off when you get too hot. It's on yeah. the thermostat. No, wow. this one, it adjusts to mm. what your requirements need. So me and you could both have your hot body, I'm cold bodied. Yeah. But we could both have the same items and it would just respond to our relative body we temperatures. Could, we could podcast wearing them, safe mm. in the knowledge that we're both at optimum temperature. And therefore, our podcast output would be, you know, enhanced. And also, there's um, gloves and socks as well. Okay. That operate on a similar basis. We could we could invest in them, perhaps, from the um, from the official uh, podcast bank account. But it, yeah, it's kind of like maybe I was, I was when we there. open our new merchandise shop, <clears throat> we I, could I, do I, top flight time machine branded ones. Yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, talking about Jeff Hurst, the height of his career and all that, and what he ended up doing. Mm. You and me, podcasting is a career high for both of us, I think. Yeah, It's definitely. never going to get any better than this. But one day, we won't be well, doing this. Well, that's a bit worrying, but in a way, yeah, you're right. Because Ooh, is it though? even is if it, it... Is it worrying? Because to no, me... No, no, it's it's worrying. It, no, because on the one hand, you think, what if podcasting is made illegal, right? Right, yeah. If it got big, you could say, but this podcast could get bigger and we could be it could go global and we could have yeah. millions and be making millions but that Couldn't would make really. life harder well this is the it? thing ask Harry Redknapp would it possibly not does money bring you happiness probably no but you can have enough where's the line I don't think we're ever going to make that enough I see, where, where the, I we're see the you line. I see you as a Benny Hill type anyway right yeah. that would be Thank even you. if we, we were making millions if we were making millions, I think you would still be living quite a humble, like modest lifestyle. I might change my Twitter bio to that. Sam Delaney says, I sees me as a Benny Hill type. <laughs> Just right. You're the Benny Hill type, in quote marks, Sam Delaney, Sam Delaney. Britain's best journalist. I will do, yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, Benny Hill lived this frugal lifestyle. He I'm did. not saying your lifestyle's frugal, but I think that he, I don't think money would change you, Andy, and I mean that as a compliment. And I, I can't stress this hard enough, it would definitely change me. I mean, I know I've earned <laughs> a lot of money at times in my career, and it's always changed me for the worse, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. At the moment, I think I've got just enough. Mm. That's would what you I'm not saying. Be, would you not be older and wiser? If, if for example, we ended up taking this podcast to Vegas and doing it as a show for like with six a tiger. months. With a tiger. Obviously with a tiger, yeah. It doesn't need to be yeah. said that, does it? 
But I mean, would that change you? Do you think? Yeah, it would. Yeah, I don't. To be honest, one of the reasons that lockdown's good for me is that I'm better off caged in a house, like a tiger. Like I'm better off not being in places with other things going. Too many other individuals yeah. for me to show off to Variables. and whatnot. Yeah, too many variables. It's better just to be in my house with my family, speak to you on FaceTime a few times a week, and that's it. I text my mum most days, have a little Mm. chat to her about, usually about what's going on in her Scrabble games. That's it. It's enough, yeah. I chat to the cat. Mm. But, you know, if I upgrade from a cat to a tiger, fucking hell. I mean, anything could happen. I could be off the rails again. Well, you know, yeah. So when I had my own office, one that you visited on occasion, um, the one the one where the Xerox machine was. <laughs> I mean, that Xerox machine is just one example of the stupid things I do once I have access to largest sums of money. I think Next you gave me know, a I'm two of it. A 10-year t- t- contract <laughs> with Xerox. Who am I? Mike Ashley with Alan Pardew. I, I, I think you gave me a tour of it when I was in one time. I think you showed me around it and explained how good it was. Have a look at this, Tom. Come in here, follow me. You're not going to believe this. I was like, talking to the Godfather, you know that Hollywood executive that Robert DeVal goes to visit at his mansion in Hollywood to have a word with him about putting Frank Sinatra in his film or the bloke who's supposed to be Frank Sinatra. And the guy, he's my favourite guy in all the Godfathers, that sort of like quite camp movie executive. (laughs) And he yeah. goes, come on. He goes, come on, Tom, let me show you around. And he starts showing him around his enormous mansion just to show <laughs> off to him. And he takes him into the stable where he keeps the horses, which come back to haunt him mm-hmm. in a very famous scene. And he goes, come in here. I think you're going to like it. Um, he goes, these animals are very beautiful. And then he turns to, to Robert Devane. He goes, you do appreciate beauty, don't you, Tom? <laughs> which is my favourite line in the whole of The Godfather. She's like, what are we supposed to say to that? No, mate, I don't. (laughs) I'm not bothered. (laughs) What pretentious? I'll take it or leave it. I'll be different. (laughs) (laughs) You don't appreciate it. It feels like a power play in a way that I can't quite sort of put my finger on. It's like, you do appreciate beauty, don't you, Tom? (laughs) Um, uh, I don't know what to say. (laughs) Yeah, but but don't ask me any questions about it. Don't ask me about the works of the great masters, Caravaggio or that. I don't know much about it, but I know I mean, what I like. I mean, that is a nice horse. If you ask me to explain why it's nice, I can't. I don't have, I just don't have the like the vocabulary, but it I is think, a nice horse. I think it's because it's got pretty eyes and its nose is smooth, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just forget it, Tom. I wish I'd never shown you the horse. You don't deserve to look at a horse like that. <laughs> then he goes home. Oh, ring, ring. Hello, Godfather. Yeah, yeah. The, the geezer, he didn't like... He didn't. He did, He doesn't want to put Frank Sinatra in the film like what you told me to tell him to do. What should I do now? Tell, tell me, what did he have that he felt he treasured the most? Was it, for instance, a horse? Yeah, it was. <laughs> He's obsessed with horse. Okay, here's what you do. Sneak in in the night and chop the horse's head off. Then somehow get into his bedroom and put the severed head in his bed. Then get out before he sees you've been there. 
<laughs> Fucking hell, it's going to make a right racket, isn't it? He's bound to wake up when I'm cutting the horse's head off. Can we not just blow just his car away? <laughs> Get it done. Get it done. How am I going to chop the fucking horse's head off? What we've Just get it done. Can we, can we not just blow his car up? No, this way is better for the story. <laughs> it's more of a statement. Well, I don't know. I mean, having your car blown out, that's a pretty big fucking statement, to be fair. And it's a lot easier than chopping the fucking heads off. Have you seen this whip of a fucking horse's neck? It's fucking enormous. I'd have to drug it first. Or where am I going to get horse drugs from? <laughs> and then I'll need one of them electric carving knives you get. From Argos. But what I was going to say was one day, you know, this, this the podcasting is career highlight for us. In, in terms of contentment, if nothing else, right? Mm. So one day it's going to end. And then how are we going to fail? We're going to be Jeff Hurst's. Aren't we? Doing or tours. Bobby Moore's flailing Going around turning in life. up on people's stags. For hundred quid, oi, oi, lads. Maybe, I, I could imagine know. us being paid to go on a someone's stag. Don't honestly, you'd have to to go on a stag. Put it this way: even if my best friend in the world, right? Like, thank God, all my best friends are married. But mm. if heaven forbid, their marriage <clears> breaks <throat> down, I don't know why. Perhaps they're caught. I don't know. Up to no good. But whatever it is, right? Heaven forbid they have to get remarried and they say, and they have a midlife crisis like mm. men do when they're in their late 40s and get really into like taking ecstasy and go into clubs again, right? Yeah, I'm in my late 40s and single. Right. Yeah, I know, but could are you in a crisis where you're taking ecstasy and going no, nightclubbing? Well, not no. at the minute, but it could happen. But some people do, right? And uh, and it's not to do with being single, it's more likely to happen to you if you're married, in well, my yeah. opinion. Okay. But they, but they go, um, Sam, you're my best friend. I want you to be my best man. And I want you to organise a stag with strippers, drugs, nightclubs, dwarves, the lot, right? Limos. I would say, look, you're my best mate. I love you. We've known each other for years. But I'm telling you now, mate, you would have to pay me £1 million to go anywhere near a fucking stag, let yeah, alone fucking yeah. arrange one. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you can shove your stag up your ass, And that's my best mate. So if you're thinking of hiring us as entertainment for your forthcoming stag, <clears throat> any of you, um, you're looking six figures minimum. I, I will do a Saturday H. afternoon in a pub. I will leave by 6pm because I don't drink. Mm. And that's it. Mm. That's the most the most you're going to get. So I, give a, 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 I, I will give a pre-scripted speech. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I will not deviate from the script. Yeah. I will just come in, do it. We'll do the favourites like you fucking do it, a Roy Keane impression, yeah. blah yeah. blah All blah, the and then we'll just get and then we'll do it the old TTFN dickheads and disappear in a puff of smoke. One million pounds. Stags are awful. Stags yeah. are awful. And even the stags in my stagging heyday, which is usually like in your <clears> sort of late twenties through to your mid-thirties, isn't mm. it? That's most people's stag heyday because that's when all your mates start getting married. Yeah. Yeah. I look back with nothing but shame and Just, dismay yeah. about all of them. Right, that's it from this one because it's gone on far too long anyway. Thanks for listening, everybody. More logistics soon. I think we'll do a history box next week, probably history of beds, something like that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.